Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alton, sitting down with Keith Myers. Today, we're uh, we're in the coaches booth, and we're talking coaches, and uh, Clint Hurt specifically had a real nice sit-down interview um, with the Wyman and Bob show on 710 ESPN Radio in Seattle, and we thought we'd kind of go through the, the transcript a little bit of that show because there were a lot of tidbits in there and really big chunks of information that kind of give us clues and hints even even more than that just mm-hmm. directly what is going to happen what's going on and um, trying to marry that up with with scheme and uh, kind of gauge your excitement Keith about that and and possible player fits moving forward um, should be a great show welcome in yeah so I'm excited about this like I um, Glenn Hurts both his press conference and you know that interview that you're talking about um was like music to my ears it was exactly what i wanted to hear i didn't want uh i was worried that i was going to hear yeah you know talk about you know we got we we ha- we know what we do and it's about doing it right and doing it better and and whatever um and that's what i was expecting that's not what we got what we got was yeah, we know we need to change. We know we need to evolve and we're going to do that. And we're going to be aggressive in doing that. And um, I, I, that's exactly what this team needs. It's exactly what this team needs. And you pair that with the fact that you've got three guys that are uh, in charge of figuring this out and running it that are all young and incredibly smart. Um, and yes. it's just 
that is a, that is the biggest takeaway. I mean, um, we've kind of been looking at this now for uh, at least a week. We talked about it a little bit, covered it on our um, mock draft show last week. And um, this week we kind of decided to devote a whole show to breaking this down a little bit because there's just a lot there. But the big takeaway from for me and I think for you is the idea that he talked about autonomy um, directly um, from Pete Carroll to go and put this thing in his way um and and you're right just the intelligence the overall intelligence of these guys young all mid 40s or or younger Mm -hmm. and it's um i think it's just for me i think it points back to the idea that i always knew in my head but it just took a while it took a year longer and i think it took a year longer to kind of do the the offensive coordinator thing too but we talked about Pete Carroll moving on and being able to be adaptable. And um, I always thought that he was. And there's just a lot of impatience, you know, in the fan base, and rightly so. Everyone wants to win. But when it comes to Pete, everyone thinks of him as being this staunch leader who's set in his ways and he's just got one way or the highway and he gets overly involved with things. I just don't get that. I've never got that. I've never got that feel from Pete himself or his actions. I always thought he was adaptable, sometimes um, not as reactive per se as some would want him to be. But um, I think he could be better, for example, in like in-game decisions and and adaption um, at halftimes and and so forth. But overall, I'm not, I'm not displeased with that. But, but on this thing, I think it really does show that he's seeing what we're seeing he's not happy with what we've seen with the defense and he's gone out and and made the changes that everyone said that he should make including bringing outside voices in that are Mm -hmm. not involved at all with the organization or um or with other coaching trees that these guys have had as well in carl scott for example yeah let's start with that because um here's the quote like uh it said let me start with off with carl because it was really a fresh meeting um, well, of course, that's when the thing closes. Uh, <laughs> um, because there was no prior relationship with him. With Carl, you know, Pete Carroll asked me, let's go get some fresh names. Let's go some new ideas for defensive back coaches. Who's out there? Like that right there, like just, they didn't know him. Um, they start, just started calling around and trying to, you know, hey, Give me some names. Who do you who do you hear about? Who do you like coming up? That kind of stuff. And a whole bunch of people kept bringing up his name. So they go, okay, let's 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 call him. Let's see if we can get a hold of him and and um, hear what he has to say. And they ended up like it went awesome, and they hired him. But this is Pete Carroll saying, "Let's go get new guys. I don't want people that I'm associated with. I don't want people who know what I do. I want fresh eyes, smart guys." Uh, who are going to come in and evolve what we do, make it different. And now, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost one-third of the country. 
If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and over minimum age and location requirements may vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And this is coming from the, one of the best defensive backs coaches in NFL history, really. Yeah. I mean, he really is. I mean, Pete, Pete Carroll, Gigo, too, from his time as a defensive coordinator to his time as defensive backs coach um, to the first few years here. I mean, he's the guy can teach defensive backs. He knows what he's doing. Um, but he's looking for new ideas, new ways to to improve what he does. Um but also what really comes down to scheme things, because he's he's noticing, hey, our scheme is stale. Let's go change it. Let's get ideas in here that are different. Yeah. Different ways. These, these elite quarterbacks around the league are, are beating us. You yeah. Know, we got we got to find a way. Yeah. Um, and I, I just find that to be that part uh, to be what, so what much you, against what most people's opinion of Pete Carroll is. What do you think of? coach carl scott as a coach what do what does he bring to this table well what he brings is the ability to teach defensive backs so what's his uh, background well his background is alabama um where he's saving yeah so he's he's from that coaching tree um he spent some time like in, i think it was minnesota and um with the vikings and and stuff so it's not like he's just a college guy but he's from that nick saban background and um, you know, I mean, and, and those defensive backs are usually well coached up, but they, if you look at what they do, they're very physical. They're at the line of scrimmage. They like, um, they jam receivers. They don't let them get into their route quickly. Um, there's a lot of stuff that seems pretty common, um, from what they do. And it's like, okay, this is kind of what the CX used to do. And they've gotten away from, um, but they also don't run cover three. They mix up stuff all over the place. They run man, they run zone, they run cover two, they run cover three, they run just a whole bunch of everything and they disguise it well. And, and they do a lot of those things. Um, and so you, you've got a guy who can teach defensive backs and really knows coverages and schemes and, yes. and that part. So it's, it's just a, a really interesting hire, especially as a guy who communicates really well teaches really well yes um and they need that this is something that they lost with chris richard and they've never really replaced yeah clint hurt called him a savant um mm -hmm. and and i went out and watched a an alabama video uh coaching seminar video that carl scott put on for other uh college and and high school coaches from from around wherever and um it blew me away i mean the guy's a full of energy and b knows his stuff i mean he is a deep, deep guy with a deep knowledge of a lot of different schemes and a lot of different packages and how to communicate those with players. 
um, in language that they, they they understand. I I was it was over my head, Keith. I tried really hard to keep up with this guy and hang in that room with him on on YouTube. I suggest you know folks go up and uh, and check that out if they want to search that. The other thing that I found interesting um, as Clint Hurt continued to talk about Carl Scott and, De- and Desai being on the roster was that they were going to immediately start going to work. Um, and, and the first thing that they were going to do is sit down and watch film of their own players. And I'm talking Seahawks players mm-hmm. and basically evaluate the roster. So they were going to sit down and evaluate the roster, um, not only in the secondary, but the entire all levels of the defense. Clint wanted their outside perspectives to go through everybody, basically grading them before we hit free agency and the draft. I thought that was um, that was spot on, pretty amazing. And well, then it was more than more than just grading them. It was more than just, hey, is this guy good or not? It was, hey, how can we use this guy's yeah, skill set? Or does set? he fit? Um, yeah. or or yeah, how can we make them fit? Like, you know, not like shoehorning them in, but if we design what we do around what they do well, um, what does that look like? And can we put those pieces together into something that will work really well? Um, and if that's if they don't fit together well because they're just too disparate um then okay maybe we need to find some different players but uh i i it was more than just hey how good are they it was like what do they really do well and how can we use that trait um yes. that's what I, that's what i got out of it which well is, it's well here's a quote it says um you just want to get a different perspective when you do that before you go into free agency and things of that nature then a lot of it for the rest of it is getting us on the same page terminology wise so they talk he also talked about um they're, they're putting in an entire new defense so this yeah, isn't like pete carroll's defense and i want to just make that clear throughout this entire interview thing and the press conference it really became evident that this thing is almost from scratch they're going to bring in elements obviously pete carroll is still a teacher he's going to have some uh, some input Clint Hurts gonna has his background. Carl Scott, obviously, to say they basically are, it looks like they're going to a three or four defense here, Keith, and with elements of four three and, and so forth. But it seems like it's leaning heavier now on the three four scheme. Yeah, uh, that part I didn't catch. I didn't catch that it was switching more to a three four. I think they're, you're going to see a lot of the fronts be very similar where we see, I mean, the CX have, have ran most of last year from a bear front, um, which has basically the three, uh, the th- you know, the three defensive linemen kind of more centrally located and, and the two so here, outside what, guys. Can I, can I read so, you the quote? I'll just yeah. read you the quote. The three-four system is something that I'm, I've really embraced. Obviously, Vic Pangio being a big influence on that. So with that being said, we are going to be, some element of that i would say we're going to be multiple um one thing that's going to be significantly different this year is we we we're going to be aggressive at all all levels Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway they were way too passive um what i'm saying though is is he's like yeah i'm really into that but we're gonna be multiple that's the part that i uh, i took that as sure hey we know these principles um And we're going to use them, but that doesn't mean we're going to go a wholesale change and run a three, four instead of a four, three and line up with four linebackers. Um, 
especially when you've got a, we've got a, a roster loaded with defensive ends that need to be up near the line of scrimmage. Um, yes, and so it might it, they're going to be multiple. They're going to be they're going to be elements of uh, of both, and they may migrate towards a three four. But it's going to happen over a couple of seasons while they have a chance to sort the roster out. Just making this wholesale change from a four three to a three four with the roster as it's currently constructed it would be a mess. Yes, I agree with that. So let me let me talk to you about one of the the key elements that I picked up out of this entire thing as well was the word aggressive. It came up over and over again. Mm-hmm. We have talked a lot, Keith, in this show over the years about the defense becoming passive and the type of players that they've brought in have not been as alpha, I think, as in the past. And we have not dictated terms to, to offenses. We've been playing defense that has allowed teams to kind of operate and, and do whatever they want. And we haven't really been the aggressors. And it sounds like that's going to change. Yeah, it is. And that was one of the things you and I talked about over and over again, <laughs> especially last season when they're like, look, if you're going to be bad on defense and the CX were bad on defense, at least be bad aggressively and hopefully force mistakes and force turnovers instead of being bad passively where you just let teams walk down the field and score. Yeah, um, that was and, weird. And just... use up the entire clock doing it. I mean, they had they had two drives last year of 19 plays against them that went for touchdowns. They had um, the number of 10 play drives against them was the worst in the NFL. Time of possession, I think they were worst in the NFL. Um, and it was Oh, why why are you being so passive go attack and, and Pete Carroll has never been that guy that's what was so confounding to me it was like I don't get this this is fundamentally not what this team is about yeah so what do you see let me ask you this what do you see are there players that we have on this defense that fit a more aggressive style or are we going to have to go out and remake this entire thing oh I mean you could start with uh Jamal Adams I mean, you got one of the best pass rushing um, safeties in the history of the game. Guy owns the uh, the NFL record for for sacks as a defensive back in a season in which he played twelve games. Um, and so you, you can start with that. You've got guys that can attack. Um, how much? How often did we see guys like Jordan Brooks um, st- blitz and come off the edge and and do things like that he's got so Um, much speed too i can't believe they didn't take advantage of that yeah and then you go back and you look in in previous under previous um defensive coordinators pre-norton they would do stuff where they would bring a cornerback off the edge or they would um you know mix in blitzes that were weird and you had like looping blitzes where you'd get both uh kj and bobby both ending up coming from one side rather than straight you know up the middle more exotic blitzes basically there's a lot more stunts and and twists and things on on the defensive line the Sixers didn't do any of that last season it was yeah. really boring well and they finished 31st against the pass in in 2021 31st in 2020 27th mm-hmm. in 2019 that is not good no, and that's why it took it, it was at least one year too many with Ken Norton. Uh, because the evidence was there that he that was who he wanted to be. He wanted to be this team that had basically created this envelope and let the offense operate in front of it and you come up and make the tackle. 
Um, and if you're holding them to, you know, five, six, seven yards per play, um, you need them to make a mistake and then the drive ends. Yes. Um, and, and you know what? That's really a, sim- well, basically the defense that the Legion of Boom ran, but we had so many, you know, we had Hall of Fame level players on that yeah. defense. Well, and but when they, you have athletic, super athletic and fast defenders, you can play that sort of bend but don't break thing and you end up causing turnovers and so forth because you have playmakers and they make plays. The only guy that was a seem, seemingly a playmaker that could get turnovers on a regular basis in our defense was was Diggs. Mm-hmm. And everything else was just kind of by chance. And he's he, was kind of, a, he was very much on the back end. Totally. Of, uh, he was dependent upon mistakes. I mean, he was kind of a he took advantage of mistakes and he could he mm-hmm. could he's really good at that. But the defense itself was so passive that nobody was giving given a chance to be a playmaker in this defense. Yeah. So do we even have playmakers? I mean, I you mentioned Jamal Adams, um, you know, maybe Taylor, uh, obviously Brooks, but I'm not thinking of anybody on the defensive line really. There's not a standout we don't defensive know. end on the on the roster that we like, don't we don't know that because we've never you, we've never seen them be given the opportunity. Um, we know that um, you look at what is it the um, the pass rush win rate, um, especially you know when you you pair that versus double teams, and you've got guys like um, Puna Ford, which is in the top. Uh, 10 in the NFL. Um, Jamal Taylor, uh, not Jamal, um, Daryl Taylor, uh, coming off the end, who was really successful. Um, uh, Dunlap coming off the other side, who barely played the first half the year last year for reasons we still don't know. Um, and, and Robinson as well, <clears throat> his usage rate was way was lower really, than it probably was really been. low, and he had a mm-hmm. high, high pass rush. So you've got guys that can make plays, but they weren't being used. Instead, you had uh, this defense running out, you know, different players. I know that they were trying to run that bare front, so they wanted bigger guys. They had that's why they went and got Kerry Hyder um, and Rasheem Green got so much playing time because they wanted the bigger guys up mm-hmm. front in order to generate, you know, stopping the run. <clears throat> Sure, fine, okay. Um, they were great against the run, but they were terrible against the pass, and this is a passing league. You can't just sit back and 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 let teams do that to you anymore. It, it just doesn't work. You've got to be aggressive. <clears throat> I think, you know, I uh, yeah. I think the defensive line needs to have, you know, a little bit more ag- aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, some packages to take advantage of, of some athleticism. I do agree, though, that... The, the defending the run is still important, but sure. you've also got to have um, good run support from your corners, from your safeties and so forth to take some of the pressure off of your uh, defensive ends and so forth. Um, just so that they're not completely, I mean, I don't know exactly what to expect from Carl Scott's defensive fronts in this new scheme because well, Carl, are they going to be asked Carl to Scott's not going to have penetrate any quickly fronts. well not Carl Scott but um hurt are they okay. going to be asked to create burst and then hold a position or are they going to 
be turned loose is my question i guess because there's two different philosophies in the way that you play you know on the defensive front you know you can either stand your ground or you can cause havoc true causing havoc leaves holes behind you if you don't get correct and so i think there's going to be a mixture of both um because that's what the the that's what good modern defenses do is you have you have to read what's going on and if it's run a running play you know you hold your you have to hold your gap um and if it's not just keep getting upfield keep pushing um and so just within all of this like it we last year was so frustrating um let's go back to the super bowl it's the most recent game and you saw the Bengals take aaron donald out of the game plan in the first half he didn't really get a chance to do much they double teamed him all the time uh they ran away from him they moved the pocket to make it hard on him so what did the rams do they moved um which side of the field von miller was was rushing from and they did different things in order to force um the rams to slide coverage so that they got one-on-one with donald and what happened don honestly he should have been the the mvp in my opinion not not cooper cup but it was it was the schematic way of making life easy for your star that and it was doing so by being a aggressive right by bringing making sure you're bringing people um and doing so in a way that you can't you can't uh pick up everyone that's coming in unless you single um donald and it gave him a chance to be dominant when was the last time we saw the seahawks do anything like that yeah well no (laughs) right and the answer is dan quinn we haven't seen them do anything like that. Any kind of uh, scheming uh, matchups on the defensive line since Dan Quinn was here. It's well, been a long time. What What does that say about Clint Hurt being the defensive line coach for the last three years? He has no say in any of that. He teaches. Oh, come on. He, it, was he included in the in designing the scheme? You would have to think, yeah. No, Being no. a defensive line coach, he's just not going to be a, a parrot for. He's there to teach the, the defensive coordinator. That's what, who is it sitting in the defensive um, game planning meetings? It was your defensive coordinator, your defensive passing game coordinator. They didn't have and all a your defense- position coach. No, all the your position posi- coaches. Position coaches aren't there for game on the during game planning. They're given the game plan. There's meetings for that. They're given the game plan and said, here, this is what we're doing this week. Let's go teach it to other players. But they don't sit down for the hours on Monday um, and develop what the game plan is going to be. That's not who they're. They're not part of that. That's why um, Desai held out for so long was he wanted to make sure that he had a say in what was going to be implemented, that he had a voice in the game planning meetings um, and that it wasn't just going to be Clint Hurt's show. Um, 
because that's not a given. So Clint Hurt didn't have a say in any of that. He can go and be like, hey, we need to do more of this, but it's up to Ken Norton to listen. Interesting. And you have to have the personnel. Yeah, but they had personnel. They had a ton of defensive ends that were never how many used. how many pro bowlers did we have on the defensive line key um, i'm talking how, about uh, difference makers and personnel we didn't have the personnel to like be good i mean we were good against defending the run i'll give them that but everything else was subpar on that defense everything do, do you think that they guys like dunlap especially given what he did over the last you know five games um that yeah, but at this point in his career, Keith, having just you know, he's a he's a piece, but he's not like a wrecker. Are you sure? Did you yeah, see him? I'm pretty sure. Not, I mean, you, you know, him, he's a nine. Him, did he's you a not nine see sack wreck? a year guy. He's not a fifteen sack guy. Did you not see him wreck games over the last month of the season? When actually given an opportunity, and he wasn't even schemed in a way that allowed him. To do anything he had to just go beat guys well there's no question <clears throat> of, no of the matter that he was fresh <laughs> Give <him> that much. <laughs> yeah, you know he, i i don't know to answer your question i don't know to answer your question i don't know i don't know if we have the players you'd opened up this kind of little little segment that we're working on right now with that statement we don't know what we have what we don't have i think that that is probably a true statement it's, it is true we need to try to figure that out and you know that's what they're doing now is looking at all the film kind of figuring that out see if you know when they put their scheme on top of those players can they be successful and i you know for the most part yeah but this is a great opportunity when you take a look at the free agency list that the seahawks have to to get some guys in to, you know to make a difference and there's players out there in free agency that i think could help this team as well and oh, so yeah. we'll see you're yeah. gonna, one of the one of the other things that, that clint hurt talked about wasn't just the being aggressive at all levels it was being fast um he wants speed up and down this defense um because that's how you attack that's how you do those things that's how you put a lot of pressure on offenses is you just you have to have speed um and they're gonna go find guys that play with a lot of speed and i think what that's going to show you is there's going to be guys that leave because their skill set isn't built around their speed. Um, and I think. So, are you talking about Bobby Wagner? I'm talking about Bobby Wagner. The more that I, yeah. I think about it, the more that I, I, I go back and reread the quotes and all of that, I'm. I'm talking myself into this idea that Bobby Wagner is not going to be a Seahawk next well, year. Well, did you, did you see my my text to you from last night or this morning or whenever yeah. I texted it to you? I yep. was like, I I think I'm going to be advocating for a trader release of Bobby Wagner, and mm -hmm. and I typed that and I was like, it's so hard because I get it. I do. I get it. It's it's like it's one of those guys in you know if he was playing for the Seahawks 30 years ago. He would have retired as a Seahawk. You know, mm -hmm. it just it, it it's just the league has changed and evolved now to where you get to the point in a player's career, especially when they're making the kind of money that Bobby's making. It's hard for that same team to reconcile that number 
and the diminished return on on the playing of that particular player. And that's where we're at with Bobby Wagner. He's got a $20 million cap hit. If he was cut, we'd save $17 million against the cap in 2022. $17 million is significant when you start out with 36. So you had, mm-hmm. right? And so now you're up over $50 million just by releasing one player that gives you an opportunity to reinvest into maybe two or three players or one superstar player at a higher position of need. And so that's where we're at. And like how do we handle the, that? One of the things that um, you, when you put that into into perspective is if they were to move on from Bobby Wagner, that would give them the cap space necessary to sign an elite left tackle like Taron Armstead who's yeah. sitting out there. Or a, a, an elite defensive end like Von Miller or Emmanuel Agba. Or, or a guy like uh, Calais Campbell's out there, or Brandon Williams, Akeem Hicks, McLeek Collins, Jaron Reed's still out there, Linville Joseph. Any of those guys would bring equal value, I think, to the team on on that specific position group. You know, my question is, overarching, would you rather have the $17 million in cap or is taking Bobby Wagner out of the defense completely going to hurt your defense as much as adding back in like a Dante Fowler or a Justin Houston or a Von Miller or Emmanuel Ogbar or something like that. It's just, where does that value proposition land? What what do you think, Keith? I think that um, the answer is... Or or left, or offensive line, as as you mentioned. I, I think the answer there is it isn't 17 million or Bobby Wagner. It's can you make it um, eight million and Bobby Wagner. I think eight million is. I yeah yeah. I, I think that that message right there is like, hey Bobby, go find a team. Because I think you could you could massage a number where this year's cap hit could be around ten to twelve, and I think maybe you could have a conversation. I think no. I'm, eight, when I was thinking when I said eight, I was thinking that would be um, cap space. Earn. so his number would go from uh oh, okay gotcha. so so his his instead of instead of getting 17 million by cutting get him, him to 10 or whatever get him, yeah get his cap number for this year um down to 10 or 9 which you can do by you know yes. adding a year or okay. two and have avoidable year yeah. um in there and so it ends up going in a way where you you get his cap number down and you keep him um and i think if you do that you have to um, think about it. And I do think if they're going to go to more of a three, four look where you need two interior linebackers, you've got your super athletic speed guy in Brooks and you've got your team leader, the guy who's going to make all your line calls and stuff right before the snap um, in Bobby Wagner. And you let both of them go out there and, and be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you can do that. I think you I, can. I honestly do think that the team is probably trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the smartest move for them. But are you just doing Bobby a favor by keeping him on the roster like that? Or is your team better off now trying to move him? Maybe even for a fifth round pick or third, possibly. But I don't think he's going to sniff like a second round value or anything like that. I think now we're talking probably third round to to fifth round value if you could get him to re- renegotiate a deal with another team. Because I don't, I don't nobody's going to take him for a you know twenty million dollar cap hit this year. So true, no one's going to take gonna, it. 
no one's gonna no one's gonna take on have to be for a them, sign and for, trade or something like that for them now they don't there's no they not a sign that. and trade but you know what i mean a team's <clears> gonna have to renegotiate a deal with him yeah because for it's not 20 million for the team that takes him on at 17 but they're still not going to take him on for 17 they're going to want to take him on for 10 to 12 um but for them it's going to be okay we'll make this trade but we're going to have pre-negotiated and a contract extension with him and his agent so that when the trade is completed he signs the extension and they get um they get the player for under a contract that they like um it's not you know they're not going to trade for him for a set for a 17 million dollar cap but it's just a lot for um yes yes, a six-time all pro uh but it's a six-time all pro who just doesn't have the speed he used to um and i i think that that's one of the things that i don't know if you and i maybe are overselling a little bit how much of the decline is going on because he was still third in the nfl in tackles despite missing two games i think it really does come down to who's in front of him um and what i mean by that is defensive tackle you know i you've got to be able to take on some double teams on our defensive line and and two gap and all that kind of stuff and allow him to work in space i think bobby's great at that still um, sideline to sideline, he's still instinctively, I think he's still, he saves a step over some linebackers just because he's smart and diagnoses extremely well still. But um, as far as just physical ability, yeah, he's he's going to be a step or two slow at this point, but he still brings extreme value. Mm-hmm. So so I, I think, I think, I think you, when you're saying, oh, you know, maybe a fifth round pick, I'm like, then you, then you keep him because he's worth more to your team. Remember, this is a guy that was he played two yeah, less games than Is he worth more to your team? List. Is he worth more to your team or is that money worth more to your team? He is worth more to your team. If you can get him to drop his cap if number. If you can get him to drop, but if you can't, you've got to trade him or cut him. That's what I'm saying. But you're not asking him to take a pay cut. You're giving him a um an extra year. I know it seems really, year. it seems really easy to us. And the answer is of course, but to him, it might be, um, no, you're <laughs> I don't not want to do that. You're not, I know I get him it. to take a pay cut. You're actually I, giving I him more that. guaranteed money. He's not going to say no to more guaranteed money. I would, I would think, I would think. So that's usually the way it works. <laughs> right. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, what else? How about this? Uh, before we leave this, I did you figure out based on everything that was said, um, a, a more defined role for him? Like what what the dailies are going to look like for him? What his role is going to be uh, as far yeah. as being in Clint Hurt's ear and all that kind of stuff? Basically, what it looks like is he's going to take over um, a role similar to uh, what Pete Carroll did. Um, when uh, Ken Norton was there and that's, he's going to be a guy who has a say, but isn't the guy making the calls. So he's going to come in, he's going to point some stuff out. He's going to give a bunch of suggestions, but ultimately it comes down to Clint Hurt. It's almost like an extra coach. It's almost Mm -hmm. like it's, it's not, it's a created position on the team where he can float between all the position group coaches and be the intermediary between Pete Carroll and, hurt yeah he's just kind of the guy that yep floats around so 
I mean, that's a, he's a, he's an associate head coach. That's what they created a title for him. Um, he's going to be <clears throat> he has a say in creating and implementing game plan, but he doesn't call the plays and he doesn't have a position group. He's just a guy that is going to be there during <clears throat> at every level, right? He's going to be there for and personnel possibly. Yeah. I mean, he's going, he's going to be there as an extra set of eyes at every level from uh, being a guy that's going to oversee Clint hurt all the way down to a guy that's going to, you're going to see him out there working with defensive backs and Carl Scott. Um, you're going to see him just being a guy at every level, very much like the way you see Pete Carroll yeah. do stuff. Cause he, you know, he doesn't call any plays. He doesn't have any, of those responsibilities he's just there and if you watch him during practice he's in there with his hands um you know on players showing them about you know getting the shoulder turn or that hip and and that kind of stuff when he's working with defensive backs and when he's working with you know linemen and and that kind of stuff he's mostly just yelling and screaming to get them pumped up but he's he actually is there as a guy um you know floating and you're going to see a lot of that from from Desai. On a scale from one to ten, ten being outstanding home run. Where are you at with this offseason and the coaching changes that we've seen, both on the offensive line situation and then on the defense? Um, I'd say a seven. I'm pretty. I'm excited. That's, that sounds pretty conservative, given what we've just talked about. Well, here what I'm what I'm. I am. I really like what they've done on the defensive side of the ball, where they've gone younger, fresh, new ideas, all of that. I still have that concern about too many cooks, right? Are there too many cooks in this kitchen? Um, and does that become a problem? Well, what uh, do you mean by that specifically? Are you just talking about Desai when you say that out <laughs> loud? Because really, he's the only guy that doesn't have a specific position group. Everything else is basically the same. No, it has to do with the fact that you've got, um, you know, with with Norton, you had um, him and a pa defensive passing game coordinator and Pete Carroll. You had three different guys yes. that had a voice in this. And now you've got Hurt, um, Desai, Carl Scott, Pete Carroll, uh, you've got multiple guys. And at some point, you know, do you have too many decision makers? And if you have, if you have that many decision makers, do you have any decision makers? Um, who steps in and is control of things? And if it's not Clint hurt, then you've got somebody in charge that isn't the person making the calls on game day. And isn't, if they're not confident in the place they're calling, like they're going to be second guessing themselves they are going to be second guessing what's going on because they don't believe in the scheme that was put up, put together because someone else put it together. And I think that it could be, it can be a mess. Is it going to be that? I doubt it because um, Carl Scott's a young guy. He knows his role. He's coming in. Um, Desai and Hurt have worked together. Pete Carroll has given them, you know, uh, autonomy yeah. to do whatever. And then Clint Hurt's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to consult with Pete Carroll. He knows this stuff. Uh, he's like, he's really experienced. He knows his stuff, but I, he's like, but it's still my defense. And so just kind of having that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I did say that he was going to lean on, he used that term lean yeah. on the uh, because he's been there. He's in the same spot 
last year that I am in uh, this year, as far yeah. as it was his first year calling plays for mm -hmm. Chicago. This year it's my turn. Um, so yeah, it does seem like a shared sort of a deal. I just don't know how it all works out. I'm sure those yeah. guys have had many conversations already yeah. about all of this and it's all settled and we'll mm -hmm. figure it out. But yeah, because I, I'm worried about that and I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced that the coaching changes on the offensive line and, and how that all worked out are, is going to equal better play because uh, Mike Solari is a very well-respected offensive line coach for a reason. The guy and we just don't know a lot about Andy Dickerson yet. I mean, we don't. We, we don't. I where there's a lot of assumptions going on right now too, mm -hmm. with everything. There just is. We don't know what Clint Hurst's going to be like. We don't know what Kyle yep. Scott's really like <clears throat> as a coach. Does he rub people the wrong way or whatever? You know, it, all this really depends on the players rallying around these coaches and believing in this system and all of yeah. that. And I, you know, there's no reason to believe it that that they won't. In fact. You could argue that there's no way that they would promote Andy Dickerson unless that, that was absolutely true. He must have had, he must have had a really good effect on on that roster from where he was at last year um, to be able to get that promoted that promotion after one year. I would think. Yeah, um, and I, I do think it was more of a, it was also a scheme issue that Solari's inside zone, um, you know, yes. focus. And Waldron's outside zone focus clashed a little bit in terms of um, what Solari's good at teaching is not what the plays that Waldron wanted to call, um, and so they they wanted guy they wanted someone who was going to be better at teaching the outside zone and and, and those kind of um, that kind of that scheme specifically and have it more be in line and that's the reason why they brought Andrew, Andy Dickerson over. Um, was because he had that background. And so at that point, I mean. Was he the, I am, I'm just I believe remembering he's the guy, correctly. Was he the, the offensive line coach for one season for the Rams as well before he, he came? He wasn't. He was an assistant okay. offensive line coach. Okay. Because um, I thought he had that in his background, but I couldn't quite remember. So, but he, he was that and he, or maybe he was, and then he came, he became the, the, Run, run game, game coordinator, coordinator which was how they gave him a, a um a uh promotion which has allowed him out of his contract with the rams and be able to move over because they you know they can't hold him if it's a promotion um so anyway fun well i think next next time we should start we've got a couple of things going on um in seahawks world we've got the combine coming up in a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. um, which is just a tremendous amount of fun. So we'll have all that to talk about. Although I understand there's, you know, there's, there's this bubble that the, the NFL wants to create at the combine and there's a whole bunch of players that are kind of saying, no, that doesn't make any sense to us. So hopefully that gets worked out. Um, and then free agency is coming up in, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after that. And so there's a lot of, a lot of things going on in the next four weeks. And so it'll be a great time to, um, to start focusing on some different things uh, with, with regards to players. So, all right, let's get out of here. Follow mm -hmm. Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. So until next time.
Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.